uh, Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp. I am here with uh, my lovely wife, Cindy Kemp, and uh, David Keefe. Hey, what's up, guys? I was trying to think of something <laughs> similar to lovely to say, but uh, no. <laughs> there he is. There's David, there's David Keefe right there. We're <laughs> in our second day of our adventure of reading through the New Testament together. We've started with the Gospel of Luke, which gives us a wonderful overview, not only of the life of Jesus, but in his second companion volume, the book of Acts. He gives us the story of the early church, and uh, we take the gospel all the way from the announcement of John's birth to the Apostle Paul in prison in Rome and the gospel being unhindered Mm -hmm. uh, in the very end. So we'll get an overview of the New Testament uh, as we read through this. Luke has started his gospel in a wonderful way. He has given us, you know, the two panels of the prediction of, you know, John's birth and the prediction of Jesus' birth. And as wonderful and as supernatural as John's birth was, Jesus' birth uh, was even more wonderful. And so you see the greatness of what God is doing in the person uh, of Jesus. So today we're going to celebrate both of those births, uh, both of those birth announcements, you know, with uh, with song, two wonderful hymns that are part of our reading today. So we pick up where we left off yesterday, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 46 but before we do, let's always offer ourselves to the Lord and offer this moment to the Lord as we read his word in order to know him and his heart and to be transformed by who he is. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace that you have given us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for the joy of knowing you and hearing your story time and time again. Every time we look into your word, we, we see new things, wonderful things. We see the depth of your love for us in Christ Jesus. Fathers, we read through together this year. May we truly be shaped by your word. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. We begin in verse 46. Uh, Mary has just come into the house of Zechariah, where Elizabeth, on hearing her voice, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, begins to proclaim the praises of the Lord, and the baby in her womb weeps for joy. And Mary responds in song. And Mary said, verse 46, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Then it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby. She gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, they were, going, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There's no one among your relatives who has that name. And they made signs to his father to find out what, would, what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and throughout all the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard uh, this wondered, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, 
Praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Mm. To unbelievable hymns and uh, both you know Mary and Zechariah are so steeped in the Old Testament story that whenever they see what God is doing parts of that story just automatically come to mind and these are such wonderful you know well phrased you know hymns or prophecy in the case of you know Jeremiah speaking of what you know God was doing through his nation the nation of Israel and you're picking up on themes we've already hinted at would be a part of Luke there's a great reversal you know, those who are proud in their inmost thoughts have been humbled, and those who are humbled have been brought up. The hungry have been sent away. I mean, the rich have been sent away hungry, but the poor he's filled with good things. And so you see the heart of God for the least of the people, mm-hmm. you, know, from the, you know, from the very beginning. So wonderful. A couple of hymns here. What are some things that you guys see when you look at these texts? No, I'm even picking up on what you're just saying. Um, you know, later on, uh, the Apostle Paul will say to the Corinthians, you know, not many of you were were wise or of noble birth. And in fact, God's actually using the weak to shame the strong and the foolish to shame the wise and, and the lowly things so that the one that boasts, then we boast in the Lord. And I think we see some of that right there at the start of even Mary's song, how she obviously is boasting greatly in what God has done. But even in verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of a servant. And so you begin seeing the kingdom being ushered in, and it is very true that God is using the lowly and the humble and the things we wouldn't even think he would use to do such a great and wonderful thing. And, and that is where the story you know, real, really starts. In, in its humility, there's this young teenage girl in the city of Nazareth. You know, one of Jesus' own you know, disciples will later say, could anything possibly good come out of Nazareth? I think so. And, and that's you know, kind of what we were thinking as well. And you have a teenage girl in Lazarus, in Lazarus, in Nazareth, <laughs> and you have this you know, whole sense of the Lord have seen her, mm-hmm. and he has chosen to use just the common things of the world to fulfill his purposes. And that is a part of the story. And, of course, in the very next chapter, getting ahead a little bit, kind of a spoiler alert. Yeah, that's cool will have uh, the birth announced to angels. Mm-hmm. I mean, two shepherds. Two shepherds, yeah, from know. the angels. I don't Another know what's wrong here. humble, lowly yes. group of people. Yes, from angels, two shepherds. And I love that even though Mary had a lowly position, her heart was in a humble place. And it starts out before um, she even goes further into that song, that my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. It's not difficult to find yourself in a humble way when you're magnifying the Lord. And so when you're making much of him, yeah. you know, it really kind of prioritizes, you know, where you, you sit in all of that, too. So. And you have the wonderful little line, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, those who have received him in a humble way. 
you know, those who have humbled themselves before the Lord, you know, will be exalted, and those who have exalted themselves, you know, will be humbled. So that's a big biblical theme that comes, you know, through. Now onto what you're saying earlier, Paul, how they were so steeped in, in the Old Testament and in the fulfillment that was to come. And we've even talked about, I think y'all talked about it in day one, how, you know, fulfillment is just a huge theme that Luke is talking about here. And so obviously Mary begins talking about, you know, in verse 55, um, or actually verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, merciful to Abraham and the descendants forever. And then again, even Zechariah in 72, verse 72 to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. And so they're they're anticipating this. They probably didn't think it was going to happen with them, but kind of seeing that they're now brought into this story in such a wonderful way. Um, I love how their reaction is is to worship and is to glorify God for what he is now doing. Now, they've been overtaken by the story. Yeah. There's a story they long for, a story, you know, that, uh, you know, as they were tucking you know, their children into bed or being tucked into bed as kids, that they rehearsed over and over stories that they rehearsed through all of the magnificent feast of the nation of Israel mm-hmm. and they told time and time and time again and uh, they're actually being fulfilled you know in, the, in their time and in, in their way and I love this too because probably Mary would have never thought that he would have done it this way you know thinking of a political king or or a savior in, in, a, yeah. in a kind of a bigger broader way and yet it's just a reminder that God's ways are not our ways, you know, and that he he does what he wants to do and uses mm-hmm. whom he wants to now use. Now, this is, this is going to be big, and yeah. you see it in verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm, and he has scattered those who are proud in their unmost thoughts. And he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. And uh, no one would have expected it this way. Matter of fact, that's why Luke is telling uh, the story. He said, this is the story of God that's being fulfilled among us in the most extraordinary way. You know, God became one of us, you know, not as the conquering hero that we will find him in at the end of the year when we read the book of Revelation, but as the suffering servant who took our sins upon us. So he was, you know, one of of the humble. Mm -hmm. Even as he's crucified, he he only has one, one cloak, you know, for the Roman soldiers to divide among them. No, and to go to Zechariah, I mean, he, obviously, older in age, no telling how much time he'd spent in the temple learning from the Old Testament scriptures, and he just sees that narrative unfolding so beautifully here, and as he starts in verse 68, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them, and we often talk, you know, in those big movements of scripture, we use like those four words, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration, and so he's seeing that redemption piece beginning and even sees how his son's playing a part where he later goes in 76 and you my child um, you'll be called a prophet of the most high for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins so not only does he see the grand narrative he sees the role his son's playing but also the one that he's coming before what he will do offer salvation and, and give forgiveness of sin so even you get to see what the work of Christ is going to do in light of this redemption, how he redeems us. And because of the tender mercies of our God. Yep. And what a wonderful phrase, you know, that's tucked in. We will, our sins will be, our salvation comes through the forgiveness of sin. We're a people estranged from a holy God, and he has redeemed us. And the very word is a word, you know, is used to buy someone out of slavery or someone out of captivity. 
Uh, and of course, then you follow, follow the storyline of the Old Testament. Israel has been captive in a foreign nation. And even though they've returned, the return has not been a, a full returning to, to the Lord. And that full redemption will be the price that the Son will pay on the cross so that they may know forgiveness of sin because of the tender mercy of our God, which will be like the rising of the sun which comes to us from heaven. A new day has dawned in the birth of Jesus. And, and I love as well, you know, there's, there's so many little aspects that we've seen here that are going to obviously be developed further and further into the gospel of Luke. But, but even Zechariah, again, as he begins kind of talking about what God is doing, how he's going to rescue and remember his covenants, he says in verse 70, 74, to enable us to serve him without fear. And so there's even that idea that everything happening right now, that this redemption, this salvation, this forgiveness of sins, it's not just, okay, you're forgiven and good luck, but now you're invited in to now serve God. Like he's, in, he's calling a people to himself through his son. And so I just love that little nod he gives to that. This isn't just something that you can just keep to yourself, but this is going to change your whole life. You're going to be now serving God. You know, so it's a whole call of yourself. And I think that's something we obviously don't talk about all the time, but even here as this is being ushered in, it, it's something that's it's well, it's an interesting word he uses. The word he uses, yeah. you know, for serve is a word that's sometimes translated in our New Testaments as worship. And the, the two come together, uh, that our worship of God is to live our lives mm-hmm. in partnership with him as we as we serve him. So it's, it's not there's active service and acts of worship, but the, all of it flows together as we live our lives before God who has redeemed us and set us free and is a reflection of how, you know, we live, live before him. Yeah, I guess to put it concisely, what I'm trying to say is we can't disconnect our lives from from what Christ is doing, that it, it will take over everything. Fantastic. And so those are two really nice, you know, nice expressions of praise at what God is doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will see these, you know, as David has already said, develop. We've had the strong themes of David and of Abraham and of God remembering his covenant, restoring his people, renewing their hope and them responding to him in deep worship and praise. Father, thank you so much for your your grace and your mercy, your presence with us. We thank you for the promises you have fulfilled, promises you are fulfilling, and the promises you will fulfill. We thank you that you have redeemed us and freed us to serve you without fear. May we be your people. We thank you so much that you are our God. In your holy name we pray. Amen.